Is your team not performing well? Is morale low and turnover high? Are you falling further behind the competition? I'm here to help. I'm your host, Shaney, and this is The Leadership Show, where business strategy and culture finally meet, and we make the long-awaited shift from rhetoric to results. I promise I'm not your typical boring leadership consultant, and I will help you get your shift together. Let's do this. Hello, Leadershifters. Welcome to the Leadership Show. Today is an incredibly special episode of the Leadership Show because I have the unbelievable privilege of introducing you guys today to one of my best friends in the entire world. Jay Wu, this is the Leadership Universe. Leadershifters, this is Jay Wu. Oh, thanks for having me, Shaney. And gosh, you're just an incredible inspiration of what you've accomplished in, in with your life. And I am grateful to be a part of it right now. Thank you. Let me tell you guys a little bit about Jay before we start our, our Q&A. Jay and I met almost immediately when I moved to Los Angeles. I, I bolted from New York in 2000, left Goldman Sachs and made my way. I beelined out to Los Angeles just for a lot of different reasons. And one of the first people I met was Jay. We were at a, a football party. A guy that I worked with was at the time roommates with Jay's boyfriend, now husband. And we hit it off immediately. We were like soul sisters. And Jay was one of the most friendly, outgoing, welcoming people I had ever met. Not just in LA, where people aren't necessarily known for being that way, but really anywhere. And we became fast friends. Literally within days, she invited me to her weekly Sex in the City party, where she had a bunch of people over to her condo, food and great wine and great conversation. And it made my getting settled in LA just so smooth. And all these years later, we have remained great friends. But that's not why I'm having her on the show, folks. Jay is also an incredible example of a leader shifter. She has shifted so many times in her life and so just impactfully and gracefully and intentionally from, and what we're, I'm going to ask her all these questions, but literally from the time she picked up at, I don't know, 20 years old and moved across country from Maryland to LA in a U-Haul van with just a few bucks in her pocket to buying and revitalizing an old real estate brand on the west side of LA that is kicking ass and taking names. We're going to hear all about Jay's journey today on the Leadership Show. So let's get started. Woohoo! <laughs> Wow, you summarized that so perfectly, Shannon. You, you have an incredibly uh, succinct mind, and thanks. Just hearing you talk it just blows me away. Oh, thanks, babe. All right, so I've, in very summary fashion, told them about your journey, but 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 let's get a little more detail. Tell us about how you went from this little girl growing up in a small town in Maryland, and and to to an entrepreneur who is changing the face of real estate, which is one of the most cutthroat industries on the planet, on the west side of LA, which I would argue is probably one of the most cutthroat cities on the planet. True. Uh, however, I do believe the good guys get to win. I believe that by having um, uh, worked on my inner self, the outer 
world is a reflection of my inner self. And I think that by doing what's right by people, and it's about what's right, not who's right, we can really create a nurturing, supportive uh, industry. And it's not about me, me, mine, more about how can we give and give enough so that we can provide just a really outrageous experience and not just about taking and having it be transactional. We want a raving fan, client for life uh, business, and it's not about just what can I get out of this transaction. But I think that it goes really back to childhood. I'm the firstborn. I'm the firstborn of my generation. So my father's one of eight. I was his first kid and I had all the younger sisters and cousins and I was a matriarch of the family and a natural born caretaker. And my duty and responsibility since birth is to be the provider and nurturer and caretaker. And, and either we acclimate to what was kind of given to us as our role or we, sh- we shun it. And uh, I shunned it at some moments of my life, you know, teenage years, et cetera. But what I've learned as a uh, growing up is I'm grateful to have this role because it suits me perfectly. It gives me such a, a, a meaning of significance with my life caring about giving to others, thinking about others, serving others gives me the greatest gift of of living my life, which is truly, it's not about me. It's about serving others. And the more I'm in that role of service and making a difference and impacting and taking the knowledge and life skills and experiences I've had to go through in my life and then and helping others and being that guide and that passageway for them to achieve one of the greatest, most stressful, financially impactful decisions in their life. I think I was born to um, be this leader and this guide for not only my company, but for my clients and and my community. Yeah. So how did you get there? Like, so you moved to LA, you know, 2,700 miles. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I drove 900 miles a day over three days. Um, You know, my girlfriend even said, you don't even know where Los Angeles is. I said, I've never left the East Coast. And so I said, I opened up an atlas and I said, look, I, and I was, went from Maryland to Florida and I was in Orlando at the time when I made this decision. I I'd left college and went to Orlando and I opened up the map. I said, look, the 10 freeway will take me right to Los Angeles. It exits right there at La Brea and I will be in Los Angeles. And she says, you're crazy. And I said, well, I have 200 bucks cash. I have a credit the car to charge the gas. I have my entire life possessions in a U-Haul and I drove across. The thing is that my father and I battled a lot when I was growing up. I mean, culturally, I was raised to be quiet, submissive, um, do as you're told. And I just never, <laughs> I never fit that role. You know me pretty well, Shane. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't think so. That is not yeah. my favorite life. And I always had a mind of my own. I was always a black sheep. And I felt like there was more to life than what I had experienced up to that point. Yeah. Being in East, Eastern Shore, Maryland, Orlando, Florida, going to college for chemical engineering. First one to go to college, first one to quit. So, you know, here I am trying to figure out where is my future? Where am I supposed to go? And I'm very fortunate. I, I just listened to my path. I didn't make any decisions except to say yes. If something just felt right in my gut, I just yeah. said yes. I was open to the experiences, 
open to what, where life was going to take me. I had deep trust in the universal messages of where I was meant to be. And so I didn't read too much into things. I just said yes. Like when I met you, I'm like, yes, of course. We drive the same car and blah, 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 food, booze, you name it. Like we love all the same stuff, yoga, hiking, physical activity. Like, yes, of course. Let's hang out. It's awesome. Totally. And I think so many people close themselves off to the opportunities that may be right there in front of them. And my entire life since I left home was, I'm just going to say yes and see what's there and uh, explore what the experiences are and not be pigeonholed into some fear or whatever, like your mind can go. I never let my mind go there. I just felt my way through. I just listened to what was happening. I just felt like, this feels right, I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna second guess myself or overthink things. I'm just gonna pack up my car, go across the country. I was meant to be here for some reason. I just innately felt that. I moved to Los Angeles. Um, I always say I never fell in love with the guy I moved here for, but I fell in love with the uh, city of Los Angeles. And it really is my first love. I've never loved any place as much as I do Los Angeles. And I have the most amazing life. I, I'm going to be celebrating a 15-year anniversary with my husband. I met him back in 1996. That was a long time ago. Playing volleyball. Yeah, exactly. Two beautiful kids. Bump set spike, I do. <laughs> You're so clever. You're so witty. Um, and fortunately to meet him, playing a, a hobby that I really enjoy, and then to produce two beautiful boys out of that as well. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate. But it, it's that willingness to be open to what's there and not being closed off and just being open to it, I think is what just, it's like that bouncing feather that kind of floats in the wind, but it just follows along the destination. I kind of feel like when I really look back at how I got here, I look from, you know, yeah, I had the resistance of not believing that what I was, my parents who were supposed to be my teachers, that wasn't my teaching from them was to not listen to them and to- Thank God. Yeah, thank God, right? And, and God bless my mom. I mean, she passed a couple years ago, but and she did her very best. But they, they only knew to, to, to have me become what they thought stereotypically what a girl was supposed to be. But I've, I thought the opposite. I was like, how, how great can a girl be? How much can I do? I physically can be just as strong as a boy. I can be as smart as a boy. I can outdo and outtask and outwork and outthink any guy. So here I am. I mean, yeah. I just never said I can't do it. I always said I can do it. I can figure it out. There's a way that can be done. Yeah. And one of the cool things that happened was birthing my kids. It created this, um, the female energy. I was very male energy, I think, before I had my kids. And the female energy of birthing my children and now having this, this the heart, you know, the Grinch's heart goes from this to 40 times its size. Yeah. When my son was put on my chest after he was born, and I looked down, I remember thinking, wow, I could feel like mm -hmm. all the love and the need and the, and of the world just really kind of hit me all at once. It was the most surreal experience. I, I still remember it, and I get teary thinking about it because it was, it was so impactful to me. It was like I also, by giving birth to him, I birthed as this mega mom and <laughs> this mother of the universe mother of not just my son but mother of caring for my community my 
friends, my anybody that was in my reign is to just care for them. And that just became, I embraced that nurturing to a whole nother level. And it, it, it's, it's hard to explain how that came to be, but yeah, the workaholic side and this discipline and organized side, and then added in this whole component of how can I just love on you? How can I just care for you? How can I really impact your life in a deep, meaningful way? Yeah. So, so let's, let's build on that and go back to, you said yes, among other things, to the, the real estate business in general. You started your career as a top producing mortgage broker in Los Angeles. And let's fast forward to the time where you saw the changes coming in the market and you shifted and pivoted more into the real estate space. I, I know the audience is going to be really interested to hear how you found the Hyler opportunity, what made you decide to go for it, and then, and then I have some other questions. Once you've explained about what Hyler is, about what you've, I have a bunch of other questions about what you've accomplished specifically. But let's hear the Hyler story. Speaking <laughs> of birthing, how did you rebirth Hyler Realty? Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful because in life it's about great partnerships, and I never really understood that until I met my husband, who is. Um, really an amazing life partner, friend, and also just amazing father to our children. And having had that long-term relationship also taught me as well in business. I met my business partner, Sean, 13 years ago. The year that I gave birth to my son um, is when we became business partners. Actually, we had known each other well before then. Um, back in 2002 is when I first met him. And what is amazing is the female combined with a very supportive um, male creates like this great yin and yang balance in, in life as well as in business. Yeah, I think it's always the case. It's got to be the right female with the right male. I'm a very alpha dominant, strong uh, woman, and I'm fortunate to have both my my husband as well as my business partner be these supporting, loving, ego not not egoless like not filled with this alpha male kind of energy but more so of this like you go girl you do it you do you and and I'm here to facilitate and support you know the whirlwind of activity that you generate in your path and because right, they have the confidence that it's, it's not the false bravado of ego it's the actual real like I'm so good I'm so comfortable in my own skin that I don't need to, to battle this alpha female. Correct, exactly. And having the respect for that though, too, yeah. you know? And I love them both and respect them even that much greater because I recognize in them the pure, honest, just, you know what? You're great, you're doing you, I'm gonna support what you're doing, and hand in hand, in partnership of it all. It's not like one dominating the other or whatever, it's like, it's like this congruency, it's hard to explain that we have, and it makes it all flow so well. Sean and I were both in the mortgage business. We partnered up together when we were both at a, a firm in Santa Monica, and that firm imploded. Um, it was right in the, the high boom of the real estate boom, 2005-06, 08, of course, financial crisis and, and the market crash, yeah. um, and at that time, I'd already had my broker's license for seven years. I didn't want to just be um, a, an associate. My goal always is to, to 
you know, be ahead of the curve and also to be able to help facilitate where people needed my help too and not, not be the person I ever have to yeah. say no. Go big or go home. You're not the associate broker. You're, <laughs> exactly. you're, you're the mama broker. Exactly, exactly. Unfortunately, since I already had a seven-year leeway into having my broker's license, uh, and at that time, we had, we had had a, a leg in with Keller Williams and a, and a leg in with the mortgage side. So I was dual licensed because with the brokers, you can do both. But then when we were there and this opportunity came along and the third owner of Hyler Realty, and she had started out in the 60s as a secretary, was the third owner of this company. And she was pretty much like the candle in the wind because the 80s was the heyday of, of Hyler Realty. That's when they had 80, 90 agents. They were pretty much the dominant. But then Fred Sands, John Douglas, you know, came into the story. And, you know, as ownerships change, leadership change, and then, of course, a company that doesn't have the dynamic leadership the, does start to falter. And that's kind of what happened. But Sean, my business partner's uncle, had worked at Hyla Realty from the 60s to the mid-90s before mm. he passed uh, with uh, cancer. And the beauty is there was such a, a family dynamic. Sean grew up in this environment. Mm -hmm. And since he was a wee baby, he remembers uh, the receptionist, who was then the owner, right. uh, running the office when his uncle worked here. And his dad was the manager for the John Douglas Company, the Pacific Palisades. So it was such a, a cloud of, of real estate in his life. Uh, and fortunately for, for us, I already had the licensure he already had the family connection and we had an opportunity to be the fourth owners and purchase this and we immediately knew we could do something different and that shift for us was to be community for us everything was about we we're, we live here we're stakeholders here we're raising our kids here how can we build mayberry in los angeles the ways that you've done that because i mean just Every time I visit, there's like you're raffling off a, a Hyler Beach Cruiser or, you know, I see you on social media and you're, you've got voting happening at, at your offices. So give us a sense of some of the actions that you and Sean have taken to really differentiate Hyler as a community uh, firm as opposed to like this big production branch of, a, of an enormous organization. Sure. Well, you know, one of the key things about technology these, these days, it levels the playing field. Whether you're a boutique yeah. office or a big firm, it doesn't matter because yeah. technology makes it so that every, every property, every client is, has access to everything. There isn't any more of this cloak and dagger of, oh, I got a specialist and so forth. It's not the case anymore. Yeah. It's level the playing field. And now that David and Goliath have been even killed, the other thing that we can do is um, take the, our passion for where we live, where we own our homes, where we own our business, and we got involved with the neighborhood council. And the city of Los Angeles is run differently than other cities. The mayor and the council offices have 50-50 power within the city of LA. Okay. The mayor doesn't have 100% power, and actually it's a councilman, and there's a makeup of a large body of councilmen that make up the 97 neighborhoods that exist in the city of LA. Wow, 97 neighborhoods. Yes, it's, it's 8.9 million people. Yeah. And the way that you can have unity with such a large area to cover is to have neighborhood councils. Now that is um, a volunteer position. 
we uh, volunteered to be one of the 17 board members for our West Side Neighborhood Council. And by being involved in a civic manner is one of the key ways we've been able to have outreach with the community and to really make a difference, have a voice, vote yeah. on the issues that have you know meaning to us as homeowners as well as a business owner in the neighborhood being the voice for the business seats in this neighborhood so and then being a part of the civically engaging activities that's going on in the neighborhood and you know homeless issues and having the community festivals to celebrate and create mayberry here it is the whole reason why we feel so empowered um, to be a part of it. But even before we joined the neighborhood council, we had our chili cook-off in the uh, late winter, early spring, where we had the chief of uh, the, our fire department compete with five or six different restaurants to have a chili contest. And we had a few hundred people come through the office and have a tasting and just a, a meeting grounds for neighbors to connect. And then we also have our fall festival where kids get a free pumpkin and we have a laptop giveaway. We give it away a MacBook every year, um, donated by one of our business um, companies that are on the street and free food and grilling and barbecuing and, and having right. just good old fashioned fun. And these are the memories I want my kids to grow up with. And these are the memories it seems that our neighbors want to grow up with. And so it's been wildly popular. And I think giving people what I think we innately want um, and they want too. So right. it's been a wonderful congruency that way. Yeah. So it, what it sounds like, I talk all the time about merging business strategy and culture and and for you and Sean, it's not just the culture of who Hyler is, it's how you're also influencing the culture of the neighborhoods in which you do business, which is so cool. I think people are craving a return to that. The world's got, has lost intimacy because that's the other part of technology. The, you know, it, yes, there's been a democratization, it, which is amazing. And then the flip side is, you know, we've become so disconnected from other people. You're bringing community back, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and it's just so beautiful. So, I guess I, what, what I want to know, and I'm sure some other people listening to the podcast would, would want to know, is as you grow, because you went from just you and Sean and probably an assistant to how many brokers you have working for you now? We have eight agents right now. Yeah. And how do you, how do you pick people to join Hyler that you're confident are aligned with the same values and not just some salesperson yes <laughs> well I think that the the process is pretty easy I think that when you go when these agents have gone and visited other firms and interviewed with them and then they interview with us it is a, a you either are our peoples or you're not our peoples and it's pretty easy to discern if uh, caring for others and being of significance and having mentorship from leaders who really care about what happens to them to the point where we just, that we're like, Sean and I are the mother and father of our agents, really, in terms of caring for them. Are you okay? How can we be a part of every integral part of the transaction? It's very uniquely different. Mm -hmm. um, we provide really deep psychological care. I mean, this is a very mental business. And I think any yeah. leadership has to have uh, a, a very strong, a mental capacity 
to help people talk through their own fears and worries because no matter who you are or where you are, every human being has fears and worries. It's our survival instinct, right? To have fear and worry in order to survive uh, from the primal days. And so in today's day and age, to find joy and love and connectedness is not something everybody gets access to. And I think that the agents that crave that, never had that before, have seen other places as much more of a turn and burn kind of shop. Yeah. Whereas here, you be you, and we're here to provide and help you grow, nurture, and expand who that version of you is. Yeah. And no attachment to the outcome. And that's the other thing about truly being in uh, a leadership as well as in a business where the outcome is not as important as a journey of what you're about to take. Mm -hmm. And whether it's purchasing a home or selling a home, great. We, we get, you're going to do it. It may or may not happen for you, but that's okay. We're here to be a part of the journey. And same thing with an agent. You know, you don't have to be a multi-mega producer this year, but if that's your goal, we're going to help you get there. Yeah. If you want to just connect and, and be there to help those that really could use your help, we're here to be your your partnership in that as well. So again, not being attached to the outcome, being fully present. Um, I know I do a lot of inner work to be prepared mm -hmm. to rule the world one day, hopefully, and really make an impact. You know, I want to. I think that you, your book, Shani, and and also seeing the impact you're having as a consultant and being. Um, really helping shift people's mind as to uh, where they are and help guide them to where they could be in their potential. I love that journey because I too find that as I've gone through all of the, the work that I've done and in the nonstop learning and, and trying to be a part of the change I wish to see, I think female leadership is one of those things that is just bubbling to the surface. We've oh. just begun. And yes. I really love the impact that we are having on the future generation of strong-minded young women who can also take on this role and say, I can, I will, I, I am, you know, and I, I love that. Um, and I love to more of that. I love the girl power. So, yeah. sorry guys, but I do, I do love that. So let me play devil's advocate for a second. What do you say to the people who say, that sounds great in theory, but there are a, there are a bunch of competitors that, that don't behave that way, right? That will stab you in the back and smile at your face. Um, how, how do you stay in integrity when there when when other people in your industry don't play by the same rules so to speak yeah i have to tell you that that if you stay in integrity and do the right things for the right reasons and again not being attached to the outcome see the money is just a, a pass-through right mm -hmm. money's always going to be there how it comes to you and how it evolves i choose to not be attached to that outcome I choose to believe that by doing all the right things for all the right reasons, good things happen. The fact of the matter is, you know, the day we're born, the dash into the day we die, that dash, that's it. 
and how integrous and how good and how well we live and serve in that dash is the dash yeah what my memory what what i'm going to be known for and i know how and you know how short life is you know i lost my youngest sister uh, 17 years ago you know back in you know and you know and it's no having gone through a loss of of a family member or someone you love so much and then to have the realization all this it could be gone in a millisecond so not being so attached to the i, I know what's important in life i know yeah. my family's important my friendships are important my health is important you know Caring for those that, that need my help are important. The money comes and goes. It's a yeah. passive. The more of it we have, the more of it we can do to benefit others. The more of it we can do to do our community work. The more of it we can do to, to make fun things happen. That's what it's great for, to live and have the freedom and make choices. Absolutely. I'm not discounting that part of it. That is a pastor that creates opportunities for so many things that we wish to try to accomplish in the world to happen. Absolutely. But my decisions are not tied to it. That is not the end all be all of how a trend. Yeah, sometimes it sucks. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you win. Most of the time I win, though, because I think integrity, being right, doing your research, knowing what you're talking about, doing the right things. And, you know, the outcome of the right process does come through. And people may call me Pollyanna, but I have lived in that for 23 years of being in business. And yeah. I truly have, and the benefit of, I mean, I started in this town with almost, I mean, minus probably 6,000 in credit card debt. I mean, I really, I knew nobody and nothing when I moved here and yeah. I'm having the time of my life. And I think that, that just being so, filled with gratitude doing the work. It's not like I'm not doing the hard work. I do the hard work every single day. Not many people get up at 4.45 in the morning to go work out before the kids wake up. So yeah. then be back home and start the whole schedule and make sure that my list the night before is all checked off and do it again the next day. But have that devotion and dedication to be prepared, be organized, be physically strong to have the sustenance to be able to carry on the workload manually, physical labor, as well as mental labor that happens to, to care for the world. And I do that because I genuinely know, God forbid something happens to me, that I made a difference. I made a big, big difference. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, let's pause on that for a second, because I, I really believe that it's one of the reasons that you and I bonded so, so well. Um, you just referenced losing your little sister and that happened shortly after I moved to LA, like within the first year that I was living in LA. And as you know, and as a lot of leadership just know, and anyone who's read the better boss blueprint knows I moved to LA after a couple of hellacious years, really the hell was in my mind. Um, <laughs> after my fiance Alan died and, and that had such a profound influence on me. And then your sister, brutal murder, like horrific, like brings chills to my spine to even think about it. Um, and we don't, neither of us let that dampen our spirit. Um, you know, and I think when people hear stories like ours, they say, well, do you need a, 
a big fucking tragedy like that to wake up and, and pay more attention to the dash? What do you say to that? I don't think so. I, 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 it definitely was a wake up call. It definitely sucks to go through it. And, um, like any major thing like marriage, like divorce, like birthing children, like becoming an empty nester, like leaving the home as a young adult. There are all of those big moments in life. We all can choose how we respond to it. Right. And the way you chose was, okay, my life journey, I'm going to listen to what my life journey is supposed to be. And you were meant to write a book. You said that from the, one of the first moments I met you, you were meant to write a book about your story. For me, losing my sister, and I was never a flippant person. I, I deeply had a sense of my mortality, but losing her also was a wake-up call to the fact that Wow, I'm very young. Uh, I was 31. She was 18. There is still so much to accomplish in the world. It may have sped up my drive mm -hmm. to uh, fulfill each day even greater than I ever could think possible. Maybe yeah. it was not taking a day for granted, a moment for granted. And no, I don't think it takes a big life thing, but I think what it does is it kind of sinks you a little bit to a different path in your emotion and level of empathy and deep feeling for another. Yeah. I think someone who has never lost someone can truly understand that level of loss. Right. Unless you've gone through it. If you've yeah. never lost a parent or, a, you know, someone close to you and look at all the, the things that are going on in the world. I mean, these kids at a very young age are going through some pretty traumatic experiences and images with you know all the mass shootings and so forth and 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 that's going to forever change them right yeah. and create and so maybe this world that has become so separated and detached by having these dramatic life experiences firsthand mm -hmm. is going to create a future leadership generation of, of of young adults that can maybe have that deep sense of feeling and purpose and meaning and that their life was yep. altered a little bit with that incident to, and hopefully people have that insight to think, okay, this happened and it could be any kind of a loss or any kind of victory and say, okay, this happened. How can I have gratitude around this? And how has this altered me a little bit towards who I'm becoming, mm -hmm. how we're evolving? Because as humans, that's, that's our ability unlike other species to adapt and evolve and hopefully grow and learn and not plateau into the doldrum of Groundhog Day. But hopefully oh God. Yeah, so, so, so well, I love that visual, the doldrums of Groundhog Day. Oh, I know that's like my worst nightmare is, is, is Groundhog's Day. <laughs> like, I can't stand when, when things are the same. I love adventure and newness and creation and, think that's one of, uh, of the many places uh, that, that we share such passion. And it's been so amazing to hear you tell your story and to share your pearls of wisdom with the Leadershifter audience. I mean, folks, like I wrote down just a few things here, but it's not about what's right. Sorry, it's not about who's right. It's about what's right. I mean, what a, what a motto. Like, I'm, I'm going to use that. It's not about who's right. It's about what's right. And the idea of saying yes. Leadership, what is something, what is a shift you 
know you want to make and there are some things you haven't said yes to. Say yes, what's holding you back, right? Move across the country, take risks, buy a company that whose brand is, you know, dusty, right? Do, do something to, to make a difference. Um, find great partners. That's another lovely piece of the story, not just your husband, but your business partner. And there is no perfect partner. You got to find one, one that compliments you. And it sounds like the partnership that you and Sean have built has just been exactly the right one to build Hyler up to be making the difference that it's making so that the dash between, you know, 19 blah, 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 and whatever the year is for Jay Wu is going to be amazing. So thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to see your beautiful face. Oh, thanks, Jamie. And Leader Shifters, again, thank you for joining us today. I hope you found this all of these stories inspiring and that you'll take away some easy, well not, maybe not easy, but some great ways that you can start to make some shifts in the culture of your business and the culture of your community so that you're creating the strategy for your life and your organization that you want. Please let us know what your thoughts are. Shaney at theleadershiftproject.com or of course, hit us up on social media. Thank you so much to Jay and to everyone else. Have a wonderful rest of your day, everyone. Mwah.